just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year to think that we're going to be the shit. What up, Houdat Nation? We have returned. Welcome to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by Hornitos Tequila. They probably don't even realize they're sponsoring us. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside Sean Haspel and Allison Whitlock. Um, man, I don't know how we can uh, top Saints Happy Hour this week. Sean, I don't know if you uh, if you listened, but last week they caught one of the guys taking a dump during their live stream. So yeah. that's a pretty high bar to live up to for us. I think, I don't know, we have some soul searching to do now. Well... I guess there goes our shot at being the number two Saints podcast. Oh. Get it? <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, yes. Sorry, guys. Come on. Just give me a break. You here. left it hanging. Yeah. Well, speaking well, of, uh, of of duds, Saints beat the Seahawks thirteen to ten in a slugfest in the rain on Monday night. Um. I, I mean, a lot of people are like ragging on this game that it was like boring and ugly, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's fun to watch our defense just beat the shit out of people. And like Demario Davis is amazing and is maybe the best linebacker we've ever had. So what are y'all's thoughts? Our offense was so sad, but I, I agree with you that I enjoyed every minute of it regardless because the defense was incredible, but the lack of receivers is just starting to get depressing. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's like a bit of like Groundhog Day because we've definitely like described a couple other games this season uh, before as being like a total paradigm shift from uh, seasons past where we'd win all these games in a crazy shootout with Drew Brees throwing for 450 yards and four touchdowns and the defense giving up almost as much to the opposing quarterback. But um, the, the, the turntables have turned, as Michael Scott might say. Um, the Saints have one of the best defenses in the NFL this season and a pretty average to below average offense. And it's the reality in which we currently live with this team that a lot of these games are going to be defensive slugfests. And it, in the NFL, I mean, it's, it's hard to like keep a team down um, offensively. So it's definitely not always the most sustainable um, method of, of, of winning games. I mean, our defense, I mean, the, the days of like the, what the 2001 Ravens defense where they held teams to like a touchdown a game uh, are over, but uh, our defense is balling out right now. I think um, we're number three in DVOA, which is the like all-encompassing metric um, that Football Outsiders puts together. And then just in terms of uh, standard stats, we're number three in scoring defense, number eight in yards. So like by any metric, we are a like elite and I believe championship caliber defense. However, our offense is uh, currently 29th in yards and 17th in scoring 
Um, that being said, I mean, both those numbers are uh, both negatively and positively impacted by how good our defense is. Uh, we don't gain a ton of yards because our defense puts us in like pretty favorable field position. Uh, so our average starting field position is, is going to be better than a team that has a bad defense. Um, and we score more easily because of the good field position we have. So, um, yeah, our, our defense is definitely the strength of this team. Uh, the players have, have said as much. Uh, I think it was Malcolm Jenkins uh, and Cam Jordan, I believe, both said that uh, they know that they're the strength of the team and they take pride in that as the defense. So it's definitely uh, we're kind of like through the looking glass uh, in terms of uh, recent Saints history. But uh, it's almost like we're, we're throwing it back to the Dome Patrol days, to be honest. But uh, like you said, Jacob, I mean, Demario Davis, I mean, he's – He's the he's the best Saints linebacker since the Dome Patrol days, and you could d- debate the merits of um, where he would fit in with Von Johnson and and Sam Mills. Um, but uh, no, sorry, John Vilma and and all the other yeah. recent guys. But I mean, Demario is just that good. It's it's really a pleasure to watch him play. Apologize to Scott Shanley for insulting him <laughs> and not bringing him up in this conversation. And Demario Davis has better hair than Scott Shanley too. So I'm sorry. Uh, my back has better hair than Scott Shanley because <laughs> he, doesn't have, he doesn't have hair. <laughs> uh, no, that's I hate Scott Shanley though. He was fine. He's good. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Um, <laughs> he's no, he's no, he no David Hawthorne, but I mean, oof. Uh, we do not speak of uh, the linebackers of that era of the the toilet bowl uniform collar era Saints. Him and Lofton. Stefan Anthony? Um, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I've, I've caused uh, an allergic reaction. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I feel bad bringing up this name uh, nowadays, but, like, the only other defensive player that, like, I, I just thought it was, like, so confident that he would make a play and would, like, save us was Darren Sharper. Like Demario Davis is like that level of a playmaker, different kinds of plays. Um, but like, I don't know. I feel like I'm wrapped in the warm blanket of, of Demario Davis. And nothing can go wrong. With your consent field. though, Jacob, with your consent. Yes. Yes. He, he has my consent. Yeah. Um, yeah. This I mean, has that's gone off the rails. It has. I knew I should but I mean, to get it back on the rails. I mean, that's just how good our defense is. Like, it's I like am weirdly confident every time our defense comes out that like they're probably gonna at worst like give up a field goal. Um and I mean I know like we can't put all of our eggs in that basket, but I mean knock on wood, the days of like our defense lo- actively losing us games, I think at least this season are behind us. So um and that that bore that came to be on on uh, Monday last Monday night. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, Allison look, we said, give up what less than seventeen points a game on average. If you told me that going in, I'd be like, "Great, we're going to win every single game." <laughs> but right. obviously, it turned out to be untrue with the offense. But I do think Kamara is something to talk about, and he's only going to improve with the Ingram trade, which we can get to later. But oh, yes. he generated sixty percent of the total Saints offense. I actually loved in like third and ten. And like late in the game, just calling a Camaro run and he gets it to gets 12 yards. And I was like, that's how inept our passing game is. But like, I loved it. Um, and he just is by far the most 
complete athlete on the offense, which it just gets better every week with him and only going to improve now that we have two dual threats in the backfield again. And just like their friendship brings me joy. Beautiful. Yeah, Alvin yeah. was uh, Alvin was amazing on on Monday. Um, it got to the point, uh, and the bro- the broadcast highlighted this that the Seahawks were literally double teaming him off the line of scrimmage, uh, which is something you just like don't see like yeah. in the NFL, especially like with a running back coming out of the backfield. Um, that just like doesn't happen, and uh, the offense like didn't do a ton outside of that. I think if you look at the box score. Um, I mean, Alvin had like a hundred and what 50 receiving yards about there and a touchdown and 50 rushing yards. Got it. Okay. And then after that, Troutman had like 30 something and then it was sad and pathetic. Like, yeah, uh, Callaway had like 30 yards. Yeah. So the state of our receiving core is, is down very bad, uh, at the moment. So, um, Traquan Smith's return to the field was pretty much a nightmare to be honest um just as kyler murray threw a pretty disastrous interception i don't know if you guys are watching that game uh, as we were recording is yeah, halftime over it is um for our listeners uh, as we're recording this game the packers are taking on the uh as of now undefeated cardinals on thursday night football and uh uh, Packers are up 10, seven, just out of halftime, but, uh, Kyler just threw a pick in his own red zone. So, um, we'll see if they can bounce back from what's about to be a larger deficit courtesy of Aaron Rodgers. So sidebar, I mean, this, who, this, do, who do we want to win this game? Right. I was about to say this game does have some relevance for it does. the Saints fans because like we're four and two. And if the Packers win the top two teams in the NFC will only have one loss and right. Yeah, I think we need to be rooting for the Packers because we don't play the Cardinals and we've already beaten the Packers. And if we end up with the same record, we could have the uh, coveted single buy in the NFC. Yeah. And that's something that's in play. We're four and two, you know? Yeah, right. I, I was literally going to say the exact same thing, Jacob. Um, I, it would be nice to have the Cardinals um, get their first loss. Sorry to any like people in Arizona that might be listening. <laughs> Sorry to, this, to but, our one Arizona. Um, yeah, but um, it'd be nice to have the, the Cardinals have their first loss, and we do have that. Uh, we don't play them this year, so we can't give them that loss. Um, and but we have played and have beaten the Packers, so we have that precious tiebreaker over them. Um, who knows what will happen um, later in the season? But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, go Pack, go! I suppose, and I also just like don't like Kyler Murray. Um, I can't ever really get on his bandwagon. Um, so go, go Paco tonight. Yeah. But, I, I don't blame you. Sean went to Texas, so there will be no room I did. for OU players. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, uh, but yes. So back to our good friend, Traquan Smith, man. Uh, he was what a turd. terrible. Terrible, terrible, there terrible, were two terrible. potential one full would have been a touchdown that he just absolutely ruined in the first quarter. And then yeah. by the third quarter, when he botched the other one, I think he just dropped it and uh Jameis went off on him on the sideline. Yeah. Just how do you like, guys how do you guys yeah. feel about uh Jameis um really uh I mean yelling, uh hopefully constructively. We don't know exactly what was said, but um uh, really getting into to Traquan Smith on the sideline. And then if you saw the video, Peyton kind of like 
saw that it was happening and then at least gave the appearance of uh, letting it happen. I was going to so, say like, oh, I agree. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to go walk away. Right, like letting Jameis do his dirty work for him. What, what do you guys thought? Do you think this is a good thing um, or or a bad thing for, for Jameis in his position? It. Yeah. If Peyton approved, I approve. Clearly yeah. it was sanctioned. I mean, yeah, you want you want Jameis to be passionate about this. You want him to know the off. Like it's obviously like Traquan did something wrong, and Jameis saw it. So like that's a good sign. Right. That he's invested. He wants to be or is a leader, and is trying to get his troops in shape. Like well, that's and what also we need, he had you know? on that specific instance where he also had Kevin White open like all the way down who also dropped it. I feel like he was just like, I'm dropping throws where I'm supposed to, and you aren't doing your job. And Kevin White's was less offensive than Traquan. So I think he just mm -hmm. went off on Traquan was his second impact play of the night in a bad way yeah. where Jameis made the right decision. And I feel like he continues, which is great, right? To talk about like good decision-making and not being impulsive. And so I feel like it was sort of an emotional outburst, but I kind of approve of it because it shows that he's like, I'm doing my job. Like, we we're all supposed to do our job, do your job, which was like the right. old saints saying of like 2012, right? Just do your job. And right. Traquan was not doing. His yeah. Job. And if you guys remember from the off season, uh, Traquan and Jameis were training together. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. It was like Florida. I think it was in Florida. And so th they, they have been building that rapport and, and you would think that they at least have a strong enough working relationship to um, at least give each other uh, constructive criticism, albeit like colorful constructive criticism publicly. Um, so, uh, you got to think, I mean, it, that hopefully Traquan, um, took that in a, in a, in a positive way at the end, once all cooler heads prevailed. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a contract year for Traquan. So he, 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 he better at least know that he needs to, uh, make some plays the second half of the season. So, um, as Aaron Rodgers threw a pretty dime touchdown just now. So looks like the watching Packers. Really yeah, good. very frustrating. Hey, um, <laughs> he might be our quarterback next year. So let's uh let's let's keep that in mind anytime we might criticize him. So I wouldn't um, hate that. But I mean, like Jameis is this is probably Jameis's best season. Like he's winning. Yeah, I read, not turning wait, the ball what did over. I read? He he had like something about his turnovers. Like he's yeah. obviously we all know his turnovers are insane, but like he's only had four turnovers in six games. Something yeah. like that where like he usually had like some crazy number. I'm not so, like, being great. Al Allison, right I, I, uh, I actually like had found the stat that you're thinking of. I think it was, Rick Oh, Eisen. I must've seen it. Cause I've, you liked it on Twitter. So okay. Like, possibly, I literally just possibly. saw it like 20 minutes ago. When I yeah. It. So I think this was rich Eisen first found this, but um, in, so Jameis only has, he has four turnovers period this season. Uh, and all, all four of them came in just two games. He's had uh, that Carolina game and then the Washington game, actually that we ended up winning. Um, he had, he had two turnovers in, e in each of them. So in four games this season, he hasn't had any turnovers. He only had four games without turnovers, all of 2018 and 2019. That's, I think that was a 27 game span. So, um, I mean, Jameis is, is limiting his mistakes. And I, I, I took some other notes that his completion percentage is, is not great this season, uh, just below 59%. And I mean, anything below 60 is not great for an NFL quarterback. That's his lowest completion percentage since his rookie year. But 
His touchdown percentage is by far the highest of his career, and his interception percentage is the lowest of his career. And he's on pace for his most touchdowns of his career and the lowest, inter- fewest interceptions of his career. So we're not throwing the ball a ton. I think he's averaging the fewest yards per game uh, of his career, but he's making smart plays and that uh, completion percentage. And I mean, he's not going to be as ever as accurate as Drew Brees. I mean, we went, we literally went from the most accurate NFL quarterback of all time to like, I mean, anything less than that is going to like look way worse to us just because we've been so conditioned the last 15 years as to like what an accurate quarterback looks like. But uh, Jameis's accuracy hasn't been great. Um, but he also hasn't been helped by just drops and bad routes from our receivers. So, um, but saying, all that being said, I will said, take yeah. the low completion percentage because that means he's probably throwing it away when he used to just fucking force it in and exactly. cause a turnover. He's he's not turning the ball over, and um, that was like the the meme that he became after that like thirty thirty season in twenty nineteen. And so, yes, he's like had some frustrating plays this year, has had some legitimately bad throws, but like the biggest concern that he would just be an un- essentially unplayable turnover machine has not come to pass. And you have to credit him. You have to credit Peyton and the other offensive coaches for, for building a scheme this year around Jameis and doing their best to maximize um, his strengths and, and minimize his weaknesses. Um, even even despite the uh, relatively pitiful state of our receiving core at the moment, so um, I, it's it's still too early, I think, to have any uh, uh, definitive declarations on Jameis one way or the other as to whether he's our quarterback of the future or or um, in another way of saying if he is a a quarterback that is capable of of winning us winning you a Super Bowl, especially given the fact that we all generally believe that we have a Super Bowl caliber defense. Um, I think it's still too early to say that, but um, I mean, we just have to see how this season plays out. If you had to like put a gun to my head today, um, I would say that if we have a legitimate chance of trading for Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers next year, um, we should do it. And that if we, but if neither of those come to pass, then uh, if you like ask me today, I think we, if we can get Jameis back on another short-term contract, that wouldn't be the worst thing. But we still have a lot more data we need to take in before we can really make any of those decisions. Yeah, a lot of football left to be played. But in my eyes, the bottom line right now is that we can win with Jameis. And yeah. that's kind of all that matters. We haven't seen him play a down with Michael Thomas. And no, whatever Michael Thomas's health is, and right now he's – it's annoying, and I think we all kind of don't like him for what happened in the offseason, but he requires a double team. Yeah. So it just automatically opens up everybody else, and I think we haven't seen him have that option once. Yeah. It's weird, and, like, he still makes mistakes. Like, the open um, – it was Juwan Johnson, right, third and goal at the end. Like, stupid, but he got on the sidelines, and he said, I fucked up. I feel like he is literally like looking inward and trying to fix when he actually messes up. Like I don't really think that that awareness existed before his year under drew. Um, So I I'm hopeful because we haven't really been remotely healthy. This is the healthiest we've been, but we still didn't have Taysom Deontay. 
for Michael Thomas. On right. Defense, and then we're losing Pete. We won't have Lutz anymore. So there's just like a lot of issues outside of Jameis. So I think he's doing the best that he can with what he has. I, I agree. And and maybe it'll catch up to us. Uh, we'll honestly like find out a lot this weekend. Um whether Jameis, whether the moment of going against his former team is, is too big for him or not, or whether he plays within himself, plays within the contract of the offense, and, and, and plays smart against a, a good defense. So um, it's, we're going to learn a lot this Sunday. Okay, so before we get to the Bucks, a couple random things I wanted to discuss. The first is uh, the single touchdown that the Saints allowed it on Monday night. The DK Metcalf 84-yard fluke. And my God, this was one of the worst. I mean, if it hadn't been for the Nola no-call, this might be the worst no-call I've ever seen. I mean, am I am I crazy? You're not like, crazy, DK- but I, I felt crazy. Like, I felt like Mugatu crazy status that no one else was saying anything. Like, obviously, the Nola no-call that we shall never talk about unless forced was so fucking blatant. But like, I thought this was arguably as blatant. And instead of being like, Oh, like Marshawn Feld, which is what they were saying. They were like, Oh, he just fell. Like, that's crazy. It's like, no, he must him down. no, that's like what, yeah. like, what abuse. And not even not say, one announcer like, was like, like I was watching Manning cast. So you guys correct me if I'm wrong that the other people were doing it, but they were both just like, Oh, wow. Like rare slip from Marshawn. It's like, you didn't fall. Yeah. It was weird. No. Uh, well, first of all, I would never ever listen to anything that the Monday night. Well, the Mannings are another thing, but the Monday well, I night. Say, I don't like the, the Monday night crew was horrendous, but that's why I like Manning yeah. cast. But yeah. either way, I didn't know. Steve if they Levy sounds like he's dying. It. Yeah, I, I, I love the man. Like sidebar about the Manning cast. I love the Manning cast, but I like didn't. I, I tried to watch it for like the beginning part of the game. It was I had hard. to switch they to the regular broadcast. It's not enough football, right? I mean, they, they were like talking about like like his freaking old Miss jersey and stuff, and I'm and like like showing it and like when they like could have been showing some like in between play, like some replays and stuff. And I had to switch back uh, to the regular broadcast, but I did switch back to the Manning cast uh, once Drew Brees got on, and it was really cool. Yeah. like watching Drew. Uh, narrate and analyze our uh, what ended up being our game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. That was really was cool to watch. So. A lot. Yeah, he, yeah. You can tell. Yeah, yeah. You can tell how frustrated he is with the the current state of the offense. He and, literally um, was like, "What are we doing?" Yeah, <laughs> like, it was on, on one of those uh, goal line uh, offensive plays. But yeah, for it sure, was um, really interesting. Yeah, and and that, and that also like. Kind of makes you curious. I mean, I, I don't know, like if Drew has anything had had or has anything left physically, but like his mind is still one of the great great quarterback minds of all time. So, like, like if you could get in a in a lab and put his head inside Jameis's body, like that would be just such a phenomenal quarterback. But I mean, obviously such a like thing a reverse get out fantasy. yes oh my god ah but uh but yeah going back canceled. to the <laughs> allison has been canceled um going back to dk metcalf speaking of someone who needs to be canceled uh 
I mean, actually yeah, does it, need to be canceled. it was, yeah, yeah. Come on, DK, decaf Metcalf. Um, uh, like, I guess you got to like tip your cat to him for like being physical. And no, no. no, I literally no. wrote no down circumstances. Do you have DK to was quiet the rest of the game, except for pushing Lattimore like a whiny bitch. Exactly. Like, so grow up. credit to Marshawn for, uh, like bouncing back and like shutting him down. Um, and pushing just, him back. I was kind of mad in the moment, but looking back, I'm like, I wouldn't want have wanted you to back down from that. It was bullshit. Right. Yeah. You, you could tell, um, the Seahawks offense was trying to be like very feisty. I mean, not just Metcalf, like the other receivers. Well, they alluded to it in the post game presser. Yeah. It was happening the whole game. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's a kind of a catch 22 because like on one hand you would like our guys to keep their composure and not be like the second guy who always gets caught. Like it happened to like us three or four times this game. I feel like, um, but it also, uh, I think, I think it was might might have been Demario who said like that stuff like fired up the defense, and they like maybe like partially played as well as they did because they were like, okay, Seattle's trying to like like talk some shit, and the refs aren't aren't gonna help aren't uh, like gonna help us at all. So like we just gotta like bring the juice as they say. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine line to walk. I mean, you don't want to hurt your team. You don't want to give up 15 yards once or like, let alone multiple times, but, uh, yeah. So they just got to keep their composure and not to get, uh, too far into our bucks preview, but you know, the bucks are going to like, try to like press those buttons too, especially Mike Evans. And we know we know all about the uh, storied rivalry between Mike Evans and Marshawn. Marshawn has locked him down more often than not, really with the exception of uh, that week one game in 2018 when Marshawn was just like not focused and like Mike Evans had like 180 yards and a touchdown. Um, but uh, with the really the exception of that game, like yeah, Mike Evans hasn't done anything. Even in that playoff game, uh, like Mike Evans beat Marshawn for like a three yard touchdown. And that was literally his only catch of the game. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, that's, uh, again, we'll get into the bucks preview sooner and later, but, uh, that's, that's definitely probably the number one marquee matchup, um, heading into this Sunday and a score update. The, uh, Cardinals just, uh, had a really impressive touchdown drive. So they're back down by three. So close game. You're really updates. dating this podcast with these updates. You're dating this podcast. No, I You're actually really appreciate it because I'm. <laughs> I don't have a TV in here. Do you, you have some I action? Action on the game today? Allison? No, no, I don't. Not. I just. I'm in like a pick'em, oh. but I don't have specific action on this game. We got burned really hard by the bomb cyclone under not hitting in sad fashion bomb cyclone sounds like a strain of weed out your way jacob (laughs) yeah it rained really hard on monday it sucked it's like the hardest i've ever seen it rain in la i know Um, my work team in la when they when it rains it's like they talk about it in meetings they're like oh how crazy was this (laughs) it's like meanwhile we all grew up yeah right yeah, we grew up in a place where it rains literally every day in the spring. You're like, how cool was that? Did you hear the thunder? I'm yeah. like, guys, act like you've been here before. Yeah. What is the noise? <laughs> okay, so one one before we move on to the Bucks, one thing I want to do 
is I want to start a tradition on this podcast. When there's a bad call, I want to name the referee crew on the podcast, put them on blast, and insult them just because we can. We have this platform. I think we should shame them because they deserve it. So Sean Hockley, Terry Killens, Ed Camp, Greg Bradley, Tom Hill, Chad Hill, Rich Martinez, Tyler Saramelli, Mark Bittar. Uh, fuck you guys. <laughs> you called a terrible game. Uh, I hope a bird shits on your face. Would you all like to add anything to that? I, I think you you covered I it, man. Cover most yeah, of the pieces, was... but I'll just say that I am aligned with you. It ran from non-call to the worst spots I've ever seen in my life multiple times to not calling offsides more than once. Really ran the gamut of shit calls. So there was also shame. a terrible, uh, yeah, shame on them. I mean, there's no excuse. Like I wrote about it this week in my article for Boot Crew. You know, you should read it if you haven't read it yet. Like if an MLB umpire can see thousands of pitches a year and get 94% of them right, like there's no excuse for us, the biggest receiver in the league, like running down the sideline and pushing somebody down in front of millions of people. And like, you don't call it, there's no excuse for that. You're stupid. You're a stupid, stupid ref. Um, there was also a really bad call in the third quarter that was like a, uh, roughing the passer on Davenport where he like, Oh yeah. That was was the, yeah, that was like the, the worst call of the night. Um, in my opinion, um, didn't they call OPI on Traquan too? when it was not, maybe it wasn't Traquan, (laughs) but they called an OPI on us. That was very questionable. It was Traquan. He like, I think he like dislocated that defensive back's knee or something. Yeah. I don't know if, yeah, that that was a weird play. I don't know if he thought it was a running play and just started like blocking or, and then James, but like Jameis thought he was like going to be like pop open and throw it to him. So that was a, that was a weird play. Um, not, not a banner night for old, old, old Traquan Smith. So, um, yeah, no. we're going to need him to, we're going to need him and he's going to need himself to bounce back for sure. So. All right. So let's move on to the Bucks. Uh, this is oh, wait, I had one more Seahawks game. thought. Sorry. Oh yes. Go ahead. Please drop it. It was just that I feel like I've had really bad PTSD from women field in the Drew Brees days, but the last two times we played, it hasn't been with Drew Brees and we've been two and up. That's true. Don't you guys we agree that you have like water. really negative connotations? So they showed the fucking beast quick play like a hundred times. I feel like there's another yeah. playoff game. We lost like 12 to nine or something. It was fucking bullshit. And then we like, we've gotten our ass kicked there all the time with Drew. And then when we went back there in the Drew era, he was hurt and Teddy played and won when nobody thought he would. And then we won this game. And both of those scores were like low, but I feel like I'm not going to feel yeah. negative anymore over there. Also, Lumen feels right. I feel a like we've like intimidating name. No, it's not. Yeah, but it looks intimidating when you're like looking at it. Right. I agree like, the name is not, I, not as strong as Caesar Superdome. <laughs> right. Enter Caesar Superdome at your own peril. Yeah, I think like the Legion of Boom era is over. Um, oh, I mean, definitely. and uh, like, I mean, it's still a loud place to play, and it's never easy playing in those elements. But um, I, I, the Seahawks, especially, I mean, 
Okay, they didn't have Russell Wilson. Like, we have no, to, like, totally. I'm not, I'm not giving us all the credit in the world, but I feel like right. anytime someone would be like, oh, how do you feel about the Saints? Like, But in Seattle, I just have this like horrific memory of when I watched that 2011 playoff game. And oh, I was yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. We always fuck it up. Right. <laughs> so, no doubt. Yeah. No, that, I don't feel that way. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I feel like that, uh, that definitely was like a seminal moment in like recent Saints history that like kind of scarred our collective psyches. So, um, uh, but I think we've, yeah, put those demons to bed, hopefully. I have never seen a replay of the Beast Quake. I've never seen it. Never seen, I've seen like the first couple seconds. You didn't watch the pregame at all? I guess you guys, it's like so early for you, but like when when we're on Monday night, I just turn it on because I know they're going to talk about the Saints all the time. Like they had some like one-on-one with Jameis and Alex Smith. That was kind of interesting, whatever. But like 90% of it was showing that replay. (laughs) I was like, this is horrendous. Yeah, I've never, I have no interest in ever reliving that moment ever again. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't want to. Let's let's get on to the Bucks. Yeah. Anyway, Allison, who's your player of the game? Let's not gloss over that. True. We cannot cross over it. Um, My player of the game has to be, it has to be Kamara, I think. It's between him and Demario. Demario was incredible. Four losses, four tackles for loss, two sacks just overall, just a dominant force. But generating 60% of our offense and just basically being the only weapon the entire time and creating yeah. the win is great. I will give an honorable mention to Brian Johnson because, wow, like your first start ever and it was raining and windy and you had to kick a game-winning field goal. Like, shout out to you. Yeah. I don't know what your future what, holds And meanwhile, us. meanwhile, the Seahawks <laughs> kicker missed two field goals. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely credit Brian Johnson and – with the unfortunate news this week of Will Lutz uh, being yeah. out for the season, uh, it's a real kick to the groin, pun intended. Um, we're going to have to ride with Brian Johnson uh, yeah. this season. So um, welcome, yeah, kid. Yeah, not shout out the special teams. Right, yeah. Um, can't shout Blake a, every single week. That's yeah, hilarious. right. Uh, <laughs> and, and if you saw uh, C.D. Deuce's um, uh, Instagram live locker room celebration video, uh, Blake Gilkins got some uh, moves. He was hitting that gritty uh, pretty good. So um, – He's, I think he's going to be a fan favorite for quite Locker some time. room presence for sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Our kicker has a nice little porn stash going, a little Pencilton mustache. Well, you know those Virginia Tech guys, Jacob. They, uh, they like to party. Go Hokies. Um, yeah, oh, the Lutz news. I, something must have gone really wrong for him to be out for the year. Yeah. Like my, my my dad texted me and he was like, There must be something wrong with our team doctors. Like, why are they, like I have to look into this? Like, okay, dad, like whatever, man. Like, I don't know. Like people get hurt. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get him on here and, and hear these opinions in the flesh. Oh, yeah, I want to talk about the uh five foot nine elephant in the room, the return. Of beloved Saints running back, number two yeah. career rushing leader, Mark Ingram the second. Welcome back, Mark Ingram. Saints uh, made a trade with the Houston Texans, bring back uh, former first round draft pick Mark Ingram, uh, beloved locker room leader. Uh, two Heisman Trophy winners on the Saints right now. Two Heisman. Tro- Jameis and Mark Ingram. That is true. Two Heisman Trophy winners, um, and uh, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'll just say I'm so excited to have Mark Ingram back. Um, I mean, I, 
besides the need for the Saints to have a backer running back uh, to spell Alvin Kamara this year um, after Latavius Murray, like just was not doing it in the preseason. And, and we, we, we gave him the boot and uh, Tony Jones Jr. Who was very promising. Uh, he's dealing with some injuries himself right now. Um, and they brought in Lamar Miller and divine Azigbo, And I don't know if either of them really got anything left, but uh, Mark Ingram, uh, welcome back. Obviously he's very close uh, off the field with Alvin Kamara. And um, he played pretty well for the Texans this year uh, behind a, a terrible O-line, running into fully stacked boxes like 60-plus percent of the time. Um, and uh, we'll see how much how much juice he has. But at the very least, he's going to be an incredible locker room presence and uh, an absolute fan favorite. And I'm so excited to have him back. Here's hoping he does. He uh, busts out the, the Houdat chant uh, on the field before uh, the Bucks game on Sunday. Yeah, Sean Payton was like uncharacteristically open about uh, their plans with Ingram. He was just like, yeah, yeah he's going to play. Like we yeah. hired him to play. So it was awesome. I expect, I think this is going to be like a, maybe like a close to like a 50, 50 split in like workload, like the way it used to be. Like if Ingram still has juice left in the tank, I mean, they really need to save Kamara's legs Yeah, because he's on pace for like 300 touches this year. And like yeah. running backs don't ever recover from that unless you're right. Derrick Henry who somehow did after last absolute season. But like freak of human nature. Kamara needs help. The whole offense yeah. needs help, but like Kamara for the future needs help or he's, right. his body's going to break down. Right. Absolutely. And uh, that being said, I also could see us um, using them on the field at the same time together. Uh, we, we did that a little bit uh, in, in their couple seasons together, but uh, especially this season with the receiving core. I was going to say, Alvin, it just Alvin, opens Kamara to line up wide out. Yeah. Just and like, they still have to match him up, and then it opens up the running game. A lot of play-action opportunity. I think it's great. Exactly, yeah. Put Alvin out wide or in the slot, and uh, you can put Mark in the backfield and um, just trying to put as many good players in the field as possible because right now we don't have <laughs> that true. many it's good just another body. players. Um, uh, also, uh, looks like Deontay Harris – He's going to be back from his hamstring injury, thankfully. Um, so we definitely need his his, his top-end speed. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like Taysom Hill is going to be back from his concussion this week. That's definitely scary. Anytime concussions linger multiple weeks, um, here's to hoping that uh, he doesn't have uh, just an accumulation of lingering concussions, kind of like Josh Hill had that ended up to his uh, early retirement. Um, so, so we'll see. Hopefully Taysom will be back sooner than later and Obviously, we wish the same for um, Michael Thomas as well, um, and we need Traquan to get his shit together so so we can uh, develop some semblance of a passing game. But uh, I don't and- know what to make of the lack of news about Michael Thomas. Like we've really heard nothing other than this like Rappaport tweet that he was a couple weeks away, and literally like yeah. hours before that, uh, Jeff Duncan wrote in like his column or whatever that he had heard that Thomas's return was imminent. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you, how do you guys feel about I'm, this? I'm, I'm a little I'm, worried. I'm definitely as frustrated about it as you are, but um, I feel like with how the, with how last year played out and the fact that they probably did rush him back a little sooner than they should have. And it basically lingered and led to him needing surgery later on. Um, and from what I've read, I think Nick Underhill was saying today that 
I think they are going to err on the side of caution and make sure that he is 100% healthy and back and ready to go um, before they, they put him out there, which is definitely frustrating given how much we really need a receiver of his caliber at the moment. But uh, like I said on the previous pod, like I'd rather have a fully weaponized Saints offense in like week 12 and on than like yeah. week eight and on, you know? So um, as long as we can hold down the fort and hopefully we can get him back at percent level and he's a guy who's catching like his catch rate is through the roof like it was and converting those hard first downs those those like third and sevens where he, he catches those tough slants i mean not to make the old jokes about slant boy but um we need it we need that guy we need a reliable receiver a chain mover and uh and a, and a guy who will catch anything in his catch radius especially with Jameis not being the most accurate of quarterbacks um but uh yeah here's to hoping uh they do this rehab right um, and put all of this this uh, in these in, this injury issues with with Mike's ankle to bed, um, and they can move on. And I mean, who knows what happens next year? But um, here's hoping we have a, a healthy, fully functioning Mike Thomas in this offense for the second half of the season. Yeah, well, well said. Um, so regarding the Bucks. I feel like this is a game where we actually match up pretty well with them. Like our strength matches with their strength. Like they're basically all offense and no defense this season. Their secondary is complete trash. um, And our offense is complete trash. Yeah. And their receivers are awesome. And our DBs are awesome. And they're going to be missing Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Mike Evans gets shut down, who are they throwing to? Uh, Godwin, I Godwin. guess. But we've got uh, Roby and Adebo for that. Assuming Marshawn's just going to be in single coverage on Evans most of the game. Yeah. Um, Fournette doesn't really scare me. I feel like we, uh, you know, we had Brady's number in all three games last year. I, yeah. This could be uh, this could be a fun one. This could be like a like a Packers game in the dome where we just absolutely destroy. Them. I mean, that's it's within the realm of possibility that we absolutely yeah. destroy this team. But it's I, po- I honestly, I, I I really don't know what to expect. Yeah, it, it is possible. Um, I mean, I I do think our defense is definitely up for the challenge of of, of stopping their offense. Um, but uh, I mean, after. The, the matchup that we talked about of, of Mike Evans versus Marshawn, uh, I would say like marquee matchup number two will be our interior offensive line versus Vita Vea in Indomitian Sioux and they're like blitzing interior linebackers. Um, they have a good run defense. They do. Number one. We, yes, they have a very good run defense. So we're not going to be able to. That's our only right. power. Right. So we really are going to need Jameis and the receivers um, to, to step up and we need the O-line to pass protect because I don't think we're going to be able to run the ball on them. Um, we're going to have to get creative with how we use Alvin, get him in space on some screens and, and things like that. Um, so uh, I'm not confident we're just going to put up a ton of points on them, but I, I do think our defense, is, our defense, like I said, is good enough to keep it close with anybody. And uh, hopefully we can, maybe turn them over a couple times, leading to some short fields. And uh, Jameis really 
has to keep up with this trend of of really not ha- having turnovers um, and being smart with the ball. So um, the I, dome I, is going to be helpful out of three thirty Halloween. Yes, kickoff. I think yes, yeah, I think it's going to be a very raucous um, atmosphere, a great home field, um, and like I think sometimes we forget in like all the disappointment of uh, the, that terrible, terrible loss to the Bucks in the playoffs that like, yeah, it was at home, but that was like a severely neutered dome crowd. Like there were some fans there, but it wasn't the dome. Oh so we like, haven't had the dome. No. And it doesn't even sound like when you went, Jacob, it was even close to what it used to be. Right. No, it was, the crowd was a little tepid. People don't remember how to, what to do with their hands. It's like the first time you <laughs> went to a wedding after COVID, you're like, right. What do I do with this cocktail hour? I don't know. Yeah. It, it, but it people felt, don't yeah, feel like that was, when they've had six hours to pregame instead of three. Yeah. Maybe people will feel uh, a little bit less inhibited if they show up drunk in costume. I was going to say the right. costumes also help. I hope I we see gonna some. Be, it's going to be a close game. Costumes. I, I think we win. I think I'm going to take the Saints plus five. And it's five, right? It's five and a half. Five and a half. I'm, I'm going to take them. And uh, I might take a money line too from feeling, feeling frisky. The over-under so. is 49 and a half, which feels crazy considering how like sad our offense was this week. Yeah, I think that's high. How sad our offense was and how good our defense is. Like, I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if it, if it is like another Seahawks game. Like, uh, kind of. Hopefully with a little more offensive production on our part. But um I, I feel know. like Vegas always knows something we don't know. And if the over under yeah. is that high, maybe I'm maybe I'm getting my hopes up, but maybe just maybe we'll see reports that Thomas came back to practice late in the week that he ends up playing in the game. Well, yeah, we'll know we'll know tomorrow. I mean, but uh yeah, I I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on that. Um and if it is if it is a shootout, that's bad because that means our defense isn't playing well. Um, yeah, I, I just want to speak Thomas's return into existence. Right, right. Yeah, it's coming. It is. It is. Um, I have a kind of a shameful admission about the Bucks. Go on. I don't hate Tom Brady. Like I've never hated. Tom That's Brady. not shameful. I don't hate him either. I feel. He's, I don't know. I just he. It, it's different because he was not our hated person for the last 15 years. Like he just stepped in Yeah. after we sort of admired him, you know, like we never had to play him the way that we had to play other, the way that we hate Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he was the NFC nemesis. Like we never had to deal with him. So I don't feel that way. Like if Aaron Rodgers came into our division, I think I would vomit everywhere. Like I just like hate him so much with my whole being the way that I hate Matt Ryan and, the way that I hated Steve Smith when we were in high school, like I just yeah. see him on like talk shows and I'm like, yeah, I hate you. Like I truly Rogers, with every yeah. fiber. He just threw a pretty sweet touchdown. So it's uh they're back up by 10 in the Ugh. start of the fourth quarter. But and like he um, got bullshit yeah. MVPs and like Drew doesn't have one and just like right. makes me mad. But that's like, it doesn't make me mad the way about Tom Brady. It's just I think it's, that's how I feel about Tom Brady and his championships. I feel like most I, I don't like Tom Brady, but I mean, but I can also admit that like 
most of my disdain for him is like just based on jealousy that like he's a guy i mean i forget the exact numbers but if you someone put up a chart of like elite like quarterbacks in the last like 20 years and how many seasons they played with good defenses like top 10 defenses and tom brady has basically played with the top 10 defense every year of his career and like drew Brees has played like played like one year of his career with the top yeah. 10 defense and it's like yeah it's it's that it makes it a lot easier to win yeah seven don't you rings. guys relate to chiefs fans a little right now like I yes feel like yes they are like the saints of your where like yes. we'd go seven and nine and Drew Brees would have like ridiculous years, but like it didn't matter. Not that Mahomes is even having a good year. Right. It's like it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is if your defense is that bad. Yeah. And the fact I that don't Steve feel for Spagnolo, them, they hired Spagnolo. What, right. I mean, that's true. They're literally that? actually living the 2012 Saints. The actual is, life that we lived. And I I, I yeah. don't feel bad for them. I just meant don't you relate to them. Like right. Oh yeah. You have yeah. all this you have all of this talent and it doesn't matter. Right. You know, after I think we've always had this mentality of like New Orleans versus the world, but like, especially after the no call, I just don't have sympathy for like other. No, fan bases. I didn't mean like it. As bad sympathy. things happen. Yeah. Well, I'm just clarifying. Like, I, I want you to, I want them all to feel my pain. Feel pain. Like, yeah. I agree. I want, I do want everyone to, no one will feel pain like that. Right. Again. Yeah. That's I mean, true. I hope not. I mean, actually, I do kind of hope that they do, but I just don't see something that absurd ever happening again. But yeah, I agree. I kind of enjoy it to a degree. I just wish it would happen to other people I hate more than them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's it's an interesting it's an like interesting the Rams. Thing. Like I fucking hate them. That's another yeah, example. Well, like it, I didn't even hate Stafford before, but now I hate him. It's different than Tom Brady for some reason. Like I just hate the Rams because it's related to that. Yeah experience and even old saints like they were our rivals so i just they don't it's interesting that we we love the saints and we love the game of football but we hate the nfl and the institution and everything that comes along with it except for our team like everything else can can burn yeah except that's that's pretty much how i feel i mean the culture or of the NFL and then like its ownership and just like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really vibe honestly with much about the NFL besides like my saints fandom. So, um, but I mean, that's the basis. That was are. like the basis we are of doing the podcast of, on the saints. So. Right. Well, the podcast exists because we were mad about how last season ended and how the NFL yeah. sort of forced this Tom Brady storyline down our throats, and they ended up winning a basically a meaningless Super Bowl in a year with no fans. Like they won it in a vacuum, and like he a, even you know, said on Manning Cast, he was like, because they had him as the guest in the second quarter, and he was like, "We had it. We were so spoiled last year. Like no crowd noise." He was like, it was yeah. fake. Like, cause they were talking about how Jameis was using the silent um, snap count the whole game in Seattle. And he was like, yeah, I mean, last year we were just spoiled. And it's even why we lost to the Packers last year. Cause Rogers kept hard counting like, and he would never be able to do that in the dome otherwise. Yes, exactly. And they yeah. were even saying it like the commentators were like, yeah, he would never be able to get away with this. It was bullshit. Same way. Could the you guys imagine was bullshit. like, this is probably not a healthy thought experiment but like one of the reasons why i don't despise brady is this report which i think is probably has some truth to it 
that that he, he would have come to the Saints wanted to sign with us had Breeze retired, and I think we would have gone undefeated. Like we would have been incredible with Brady. And like I don't know, like that almost like makes it like worse because I'm is because it's like like I said, it's like based on like jealousy, and I'm like. Come on, like, why can't we have nice things? Like, we did have nice things. We did, we did. For 15 we did. years, I think it would have right. been really weird to like have someone like that replace Drew. Yeah, for everyone. Like a, it would like have been complex. Stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't complex. It's like, I oh, I hope he it. does good. He's so fun. Like, having Tom would have been like, oh no, do we wish we had him for the last decade, two decades? Like. Yeah, fuck. What does that mean for like what Drew did for us? Like it's weird. I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah. Me. Hand up. All right. What do we think is gonna happen here? Throw out some scores. I'm throwing 2017 Saints. I think 2014 Saints. We pick off Tom Brady on his attempted game winning drive and seal the deal with our Super Bowl caliber defense. I'm going to predict Saints win 34 to 3 because I have Tom Brady in fantasy and I absolutely have to win. And of course, this will be the week that he throws like five interceptions and fumbles and does nothing. And I will lose because my fantasy team is doomed, but the Saints will win a big one. Uh, That's my prediction and I'm sticking to it. Until nice emotional head. Sounds like we should yeah. all bet the under. Yeah. Based on those <laughs> predictions. Yes. All right. Well, nobody can see this because it's a podcast, but Sean's being stared down by his wife. Now with her in the room, we need the Hornitos I'll, ad read. We I'll can't bleep, end the blink twice. Hornitos, for when your wife won't even listen to your podcast. <laughs> That's that's the Hornitos that I'm gonna drink to drown my tears. Hornitos, Hornitos wow. tequila. All right, for Sean Haspel, Allison Whitlock, and Sean's wife Caroline, who doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> we'll see you next week. This has been Black and Gold BS. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat?